Okay, if you have your Bibles, go to Psalm 110, verse 2. This is a scripture the Lord shared with us, uh, gave it to us, and it's one we've been feeding from. And we'll continue to feed from until we receive the fullness of it. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. Notice the place he's ruling from is Zion. You will rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will become willing on the day of battle. Whose troops? God's troops. Heaven's troops. The Dream Center's troops. The Dream Center's troops are heaven's troops. Yeah? That's why we're soldiers of Christ. Amen? Hello? <laughs> so when God says, if there's a time when people will be willing, there's a time when they're not willing. And if you look around the nations, so much of the church is not willing. Is not willing to go, not, not willing to be sent, not willing to do anything other than go to church. That's all the program to do is go to church, sit and listen. Why? Because it appeases the conscience. But God is looking for a first company of people who will go, who will become willing. And here you see from Zion, God's going to stretch out his scepter and your troops will be willing on your day of battle. There's a day of battle. And when you're fighting sickness and you're fighting, uh, you're going into the city and you're trying to establish the kingdom, there's a battle. There's always a battle. There is someone waiting for you on the other side. When you start carrying God's message, there's always something or someone waiting to oppose and resist you. And that's why people say, think it's better just to stay in church, keep your head down and just receive nice messages. But we're not called to sit and be nice because nice is not a fruit of the Holy Ghost. We're called to go. So your troops will be willing on your day of battle and they'll be arrayed in holy majesty. But listen, here's the point. From the womb of the dawn, you will receive the dew of your youth. So you'll be strong in battle. Why? Because you'll receive the, the strength and the energy and the youth of the spirit upon our lives. God equips those he calls. God equips those he sends. God doesn't ask, listen, God does not ask you to do anything without equipping you for it. The God who is able is able to equip you. It would be wrong for God to call you and not equip you. It would be wrong. And he doesn't do that. He always equips those who he calls. And in you know, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about heaven's due. This is such a key revelation for us that God is releasing heaven's due. Now, heaven's due is so important. Why is heaven's due so important? Because when Isaac... Uh, prophesied over Jacob, he prophesied part of the inheritance and the blessing he would receive heaven's due. So if a patriarch can pray and include that as the firstborn blessing, how important is it? If I'm praying for my child and I'm going about to give him everything that's in me, don't you think I think carefully about what he needs? Think about it. Let's just say you're, about, you're going to go the way of the earth. In other words, you've got six months to live. You're going to give everything you've got to your kids. You're going to think carefully about what your kids need. Right. And here he is praying everything that heaven is, is about to put into Isaac. He's, about, he's going to pray very carefully what he's about to receive. And he prays that he receives heaven's due. 
And then Moses, when he's praying for the tribes of Israel, when he comes to Joseph, he prays something different on every one of them. But when he comes to Joseph, he prophesies the Jew of heaven. The others didn't get it. So if there's something that Joseph and Isaac get, sorry, Jacob get, it must be important because that's what heaven wants them to have. You understand that? And then, that was in Deuteronomy 33, 13. It's part of the inheritance that Joseph received, the Jew of heaven. Heaven is on its way. I can feel it. I can feel it. I can sense it. I can smell the water. I can smell the water. You know, when, you, when you're in an arid place and you, and, and you begin to travel, and then the closer you get to the ocean or the water, there are signs. There are signs that the land is now becoming fertile. Plants start to, to grow, uh, shoot up. Tree, tree, you know, fruit begins to bear. You know that the air smells different. When you go near the sea, it's a beautiful smell. I'm not talking about the fish and chips now. I'm talking about there's something about the sea air that you, you smell. It's beautiful. There's something about an ocean that just quickens you. And this is, I can smell the scent of heaven. I can smell the water. God is beginning, we're being drawn closer to the, to the, uh, the heaven's dew. Heaven spoke this to us. We didn't hear it. I've never heard any man talk about heaven's dew. I honestly can tell you that. But when God spoke to me the other week about it, I knew I was onto something. But when God speaks to you profoundly, he says, stay with it, Tony. You don't need all the answers now. Stay with it. But I can smell the, I can smell the ocean. Or I can smell the, the dew. And last week we saw that Elijah, when there was no rain in the land, he bowed down to the ground. And as he bowed down to the ground, he began to prophesy, he began to pray. And he sends his servant, go and look outside to see if there's any rain. And his servant goes outside and he doesn't see anything. But seven times, how many? Seven times the servant goes out and does what his master tells him. So when the word of the Lord comes to you, the challenge is, will the servant do what is required in order to obtain what is being prophesied? Will the servants do what they're supposed to do until that which has been prophesied comes to pass? So as he bowed down and he kept prophesying, he kept praying, rain will come, rain will come. He says, right, go and have a look. You can imagine the servant saying, you know what, we've been out four times. Old man, you're going senile. Old man, you're not hearing God. You can imagine what's going on in his servant's mind, but he's not saying anything. You don't tell a prophet that. But he keeps going out. He's thinking, okay, on the sixth day, I'll go again. He's going to ask me again tomorrow. Flipping it. How, long, how many times do I need to keep going out until you see it? Is the answer. So on the seventh day, you can imagine the servants thinking, Holy flipping Luya. It's out there. So he comes running in. So he says to, the, to Elijah, I see the size. I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Now notice it was still in the distance, but he saw it. Straight away, Elijah didn't say, Well, tell you what, let's wait until it showers us. He said, Quick, up on your feet. He calls the king, Hey, Ab, hey, Ab, hitch up your chariot. We're out of here. Why? Rain's on its way. That's all we need to know. My job was to stand in the gap, pray for seven days or seven times. How long it took, I don't know. 
Keep doing it day after day, day after day, time after time, hour after hour until it comes. So when someone stands in a pulpit and begins to prophesy, the church goes, yeah, yeah, we've heard it all before. That'll get you. That'll get you every time. Familiarity will, will kill you every time. And God is merciful to us that he allows the word to come again and again and again to our hearts. Why? Because we don't always understand the first time or the second time or the third time. But God is merciful. God knows the struggles inside. He knows resistance. He knows the difference between lack of understanding and resistance. And if God is merciful to us, only God knows that. There are those who will resist and there are those who don't resist because they don't understand. You know, I resisted my maths teacher because I didn't understand him. Come to think of it, it's on the English and the history and the science, and pretty much the whole lot. Because I didn't understand. And nobody took the time, or I felt, to give me that time I needed. It's like, Tony, we ain't got the time you need. But eventually, understanding came to me later, later on. Different environment for me. The workplace was the best place for me to work. Where I can watch someone doing something. Learn that way rather than sit there and use the old grey matter. How many of you believe saturation point is coming? It really is coming. I sense it. The clouds are slowly gathering. They're slowly gathering. Now, again, it's supposed to be a beautiful day today. According to the paper, it's supposed to be a beautiful day. Weather prophets never trust them. Because they're never accurate. <laughs> Certainly not over my house anyway. Ahab, Elijah tells Ahab, continue eating and drinking. It's amazing. So much of the church is eating and drinking, filling their stomachs, doing their own thing, and yet someone seeking God on behalf of the nation. It's amazing. So much of the church, so many churches today in our nation, I don't know how many there is in our, our nation, but how many are searching God, seeking God for the nation? How many have come to God with a begging bowl? Lord, today's Sunday, and we know you give alms to the poor. Feed me today, O oh Lord. Feed me today, O oh Lord. Feed me. And every Sunday's, feed me, Lord. Feed me. When there are higher stakes at issue, there's a nation. Thank God Scotland did not separate. Thank God they didn't. I'm not saying all the Scots wanted that, but thank God common sense and a move of the Spirit prohibited him from doing that. Thank God that God moved on the people. Why? Because together we're stronger. It has implications that we don't know. You can't send people to a voting poll on promises. Maths doesn't lie. Amen? So thank God they did that. And Ahab was eating and drinking while someone was seeking God for the nation. Ahab climbed, sorry, Elijah climbed to the top of the mountain. When everybody else isn't doing what you're doing, you have to climb higher. That's why the first company of people, the Judas, have to go forward. They have to climb higher. And Elijah shows us that when he, as he climbed higher and he, he interceded for the nation on behalf of, of what needed to be interceded for. That's not the right word, is it? Prayed for. <laughs> he did it. And God will cause us to pray for things not even in our midst. That's the nature of God. Elijah tells his servant to go to the sea. Servants gathering evidence. Church, gather some evidence in your own life. That's what becomes your testimony. So as we've been seeing the healings over the last couple of weeks, that's evidence. 
but not everybody's had a healing, but that's still your evidence. It's our faith. It's corporate faith. I know if I see God can heal that person, he can heal me when I need to, when I need to be healed. We need to gather evidence. Why? Because when you go into, the, into your workplace and you tell people Christ can heal, they'll say, have you ever seen it? What are you going to do if you say no? You need to show people evidence. You need to be convinced that your God works in your midst. He's not just the dream center's God, he's your God. Show people, if your Christianity does not have any evidence, then it's not a faith. It's got to have evidence. The difference between you and the Muslim is your God works. Your God loves. Your God forgives. Your God shows mercy. Your God shows you how to fight a spiritual battle rather than a physical battle. Your God heals, restores, delivers, set free. Their God has no power. Their God is only the God of the sword. What did Jesus tell his disciples in the garden of Gethsemane? Put your sword away. Put your sword away, Peter. We don't need it. Have I, is this what you've expected? Have I come to lead a rebellion? Jesus teaches us to put the sword away and use the sword of the Spirit. We do not fight flesh and blood. But most of the, the jihadists, they're all fighting flesh and blood. The blood of the martyrs. A martyr is someone who willingly gives a life for the cause. Not someone who's taken hostage and has no choice. That's called murder. Amen. Elijah said seven times and seven times the servant kept looking. Church, keep looking. Doesn't matter how many times you hear it from here. Keep looking. Keep looking. Keep praising. Well, I praised last week and nothing happened. Duh. Duh. It's not about singing a song and, and pennies fall from heaven. We don't need to, be, we're not animals, you know. We don't do a trick and expect a reward. God doesn't hold his hand out with chocolate and say, there's a good boy. We do it until we see the breakthrough. We do it because we love him. We do it because it's his word. We do it because we want to be obedient. Whatever God's telling us, we must do. Yeah, we're not doing everything. We're doing that which he's telling us to do. Stand in the midst of your difficulties. Praise him through it. Ask him to teach you something. Don't remove everybody from your midst. That's the easy part. Lord, just give me a gun. I'll shoot them all and the problem will be solved. God says, you're the problem and I could have shot you. But I didn't. The issue is not getting rid of everyone in your, uh, in your situation. The issue is you growing through it. We want to get rid of everybody. It's true. Well, if I just had another thousand pounds for my business, my business would survive. No, it's not coming. You know that, don't you? Because you, you need to learn something. You need to learn how to, how to create a business, how to sustain a business, how to run a business. If someone gives you another thousand pounds to keep your business going and you haven't got the practice right, guess what? That, that, that thousand pounds going where the rest went. God, teach me your ways. Give me understanding. Don't just make everything go better for me. Teach me. So I never have to live at this level again. And I can put my hand out and teach somebody else and take him to a higher place. And say, I'm, I made mistakes at this level, but this is how you rectify this. That's called wisdom. Thousand pounds don't drop from heaven. They can, but they don't always. 
So what is our attention like to what we go through? What is our attention to the detail? What is our attention to the prophetic word? God has given us a word to carry out into, the, into our life. God is saying, I'm going to bless this house with heaven's dew, but you need to be, you need to be inquiring, what does that look like, Lord? What does that smell like, Lord? It's not just going to drop on a Sunday. It's going to drop in your life. The moment we begin to declare it, you have to discover it in your life. Because I haven't got a bucket of dew on me. You know that? I don't have a bucket of dew to give you. I give you the word. And as you take that word and work it out and through, heaven's dew begins to fall on you. Amen? So it's not something that we give out, like we'll have a soup kitchen here and we'll have a we'll your cup and we'll, get, we'll put it in a cup. It doesn't work like that. Oh, I thought it did. Well, once you're blind, now you can see. He says, what do you see? He said, a cloud the size of a man's hand is on its way. Now, if you're looking out into the ocean and you see a cloud the size of a man's hand, what you don't know is how quick that cloud can come upon you. With the right wind behind it, that cloud can be there in a couple of minutes. Do you know that? Or it can take an hour, two hours, three hours to get where you are. With the wind of the Holy Ghost, this cloud that we see from a distance, the dew of heaven is beginning. To, God will say, as I send the wind from my own storehouse, it will come in a matter of hours, days, weeks, months. But the issue is, are you watching? Suddenly, boom. Suddenly, that which you seek will appear. Suddenly. When there was no other way, all of a sudden, whoosh. Saturation will come on you and you'll go, O-M-G. O-M-G, you know what that means? Oh my God. He said, go and tell Ahab, itch up your chariot because rain is coming. That which God has given us, there's going to be a Ahab in the city that God's going to tell us, hitch up your tent, God's coming. Rain's coming. There's Ahab's in the city. Some of you will work. Phil met with a guy, one of the guys from our network, uh, Isaac Work, yesterday. He came, he came over to watch Man United, of all places. He came a couple of days early. He could have seen seven goals. But the point is, Phil's having a meal with him, and he's telling him how God is using him to, to go in front of world ambassadors. This is a Malaysian man standing, just doing what God Tells him to do. He's under his pastor. He's connected to Jonathan David because his pastor is connected to Jonathan David. Just like we are. Same scenarios like Phil. And all of a sudden God begins to share the heavens of Jew upon this man. And next minute he's got access to all world leaders. And they're shot. They're giving numbers. You need anything? I'm your man. Ring him. Ring him. Ring him. Why? There's Ahab's all over the place. God's just looking for a man who heaven's Jew can rest on. Don't look at where you are right now. Look at where you will be, where he can send you. Your job can change overnight. It can change overnight. Your circumstances can change overnight. And God will put you in front of Ahab's. And then you've got to speak to the king. And when you speak to the king, now, do you know what the prime minister just asked him? You need to write a book for our nation because what's working in you needs to work in our nation. We don't want it to, listen to what he said. We don't want it as a Christian book. Because it's a Muslim nation. But we like your principles. It works. You get my book, you get my God. But can you imagine? One ordinary man who was living on three ringgits a day. 
Three ringgits a day is 50p. Let's just, well, less than 50p. Right? That was for his travel, his food, everything. And God turned it around and became a millionaire. And now he's using it. He's, tra- he's in the training industry. That's all he does. Train. The Muslims love him so much that they can't get enough of him. This is, there are Hayabs everywhere. This is an ordinary guy. We're going to have lunch with him this afternoon. I declare to you, Dream Center, rain is coming. Rain is coming. Hitch up your chariot. You better tell some Ahabs. Hitch up your chariot. Why? Because we need, because saturation's coming. People will be asking you, why? What's different? People will be asking you questions that you never could ask the question to them. They'll ask you the question. And when you, they ask you the question, it gives you opportunity and permission to answer. There are certain questions you could never ask certain people. Why? Because the environment is not conducive. But when they ask you, hey. You know, if you're in Malaysia, you can't stop somebody on the street and, pr- and preach to them. But they can stop you and ask you. That's what that lady did in Malaysia. And she asked me, how does a Western man keep his wife for all those years? I could never have asked her that. But she asked me that. She found me. I was the Hayab when she needed me. For 10 years, I'd walked in that city. 10 years. She said, I've watched you. I've seen you. I've observed you. I didn't know I was being observed. Thank God I was doing nothing wrong. Thank God I was doing nothing wrong. You never know who's watching you. You never know. But it's good. I can hold my head up high and say, hey, not only did I receive from, from this nation, but I've been a blessing to it. Out of all those good-looking Westerners, she chose me. Hey, stallion. But listen, when it came time for the stallion to speak, I had to say something and speak to her. I don't know. I've not seen her since. That was my mission. Just speak. You never know who's watching. And I've had opportunities, believe me, in that nation. But this lady, and my love for her, and my love for him, And my love for you is what keeps me grounded. Amen? I don't want to do things I shouldn't be doing. I have a desire to do what's right. Because there are are, are Ahabs needing our help. Hitch up your chariot, church. The Jew is here for a specific purpose. It's here not just to bless. It's here for a specific purpose. You know, last week we looked at Acts chapter 2 and we saw how when Jesus told his disciples, go and wait in the upper room. He said, because something's coming. Now, at that point, it was a, it, they didn't see anything. And they waited. What did they do? They waited. Why? Because they were obedient. They knew something was coming, but they were told to wait. They were told to gather and they were told to wait. Sometimes... When Jesus speaks to us, all we can do is gather and wait. Gather what? Well, sometimes we gather together. Other times we gather our thoughts. We gather, we gather our emotions together. We gather everything so that we can focus on God and we wait. And when we're waiting, it's called standing in faith. We don't waver. We believe. You see, you don't have to have someone stood in a shop today more than two minutes and they become impatient. True? Because the British mentality is slowly changing when it comes to queues. I want to be served now, because if I'm not, I get it. I'll go next door and get it. Sometimes it's good for you just to stand in the shop and be patient. And let the fruit of the Spirit work on you. 
I could be first. It's my, have you been in, well, you've all done it. Someone cuts in front of you. Or two people are stood in, in, in the queue, but no, neither one of you know who's first. So what do you do? I'll go first. You could have said, you go first. You've got the right. You've got the right to stand up front, you know, stand up thinking, I was first. I don't know if I wasn't. But the issue is, do you have the patience to let the other person go, for, go forth and you step back and say, it's okay. Well, I'm in a rush. Well, so are they. Sometimes it's about your attitude. It's not about what you're entitled to. It's not about what you're entitled to. It's about what's working in you. Who's working in you? What witness does it bring? Car rage. I know there isn't a driver in here who's never had car rage. But they were told to go and wait. It didn't say how long they had to wait. Just wait. And the promise of the Holy Ghost will come to you. How long? Will he be here at five past? Just wait. He's coming. He's on his way. So they gathered. They did what he said. And tongues of fire rested on every one of them. Jesus was made on his word. Wait. He saw that heaven was coming. And heaven came for a specific purpose. It wasn't to, to make, not just to fill them, to make them all feel good. It was to send it outside. And straight away, when the fire broke out and the Holy Ghost broke out, 3,000 people got saved. Men of all different nationalities gathered and they could hear, they heard what was going on. And they said, how come we can understand them? Are these men drunk? So Peter stands up and has to give him a great discourse of history and tells him about the prophet Joel. And our prophet Joel prophesied that the, your sons and daughters and the Holy Ghost would fall on all flesh. This is that moment that was prophesied. So all those years it was prophesied, there was a generation that was going to reap it. And many waited, many didn't see it. But those, there was a generation that when God speaks to us, he's not a frustrator. He doesn't speak to frustrate us. He speaks so that, so that we will develop faith. And obedience. Amen? If you got everything when you wanted it, how you wanted it, and when you wanted it, you wouldn't need faith and obedience. So he says to the church, go and wait. And as he waits, as they wait, it falls upon them. And then instantly, instantly, the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was to go beyond them. It didn't stop there. Go to Ezekiel chapter 2, if you will, please. Ezekiel gives us some insight into the significance of what lies ahead of us. I really want to help you see this. In Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 1, he said to me, son of man, this is God speaking to Ezekiel, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Stand up on your feet so God can speak to you. As he spoke, the spirit came into me. And he raised me to my feet. So what's, what's, what's he doing here? Stand up. And as he gets to stand up, the spirit came to him and finished the part of the command. It enabled him and empowered him to do what he'd been asked. So first of all, the decision is this. I'm sitting here like this. I'm waiting. And all of a sudden, I hear the word of the Lord, stand up. So as I'm standing up, the Spirit grabs me and takes me from halfway to an erect position. But my choice to move was down here. 
But the empowerment came en route. Do you see this? You have to do it. The word comes to you. It waits for you. But as you begin to move, it then grabs hold of you and empowers you to come to the level of the command. Do you see this? We're waiting for the spirit to come into us while we're sat down. This is the church's problem. She sits and waits, but the command has come to go into all the world. But she sits. And the moment they began to do what the Holy Spirit told them to do, gather, wait, receive, the Spirit of God came into them and empowered them. All the sitting in the world is not going to get the power you need. All the standing in the world is going to get all the power you need. Wow. And he raised me to my feet. And then I heard him speaking. So he said, stand up. He's empowered me. Now he's going to tell me what he wants me to say, what he wants me to hear. Okay. He said, son of man, I'm sending you to the Israelites, to a rebellious nation. Wow. Gee, thanks, Lord. That has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have been in revolt against me to this very day. The people to whom I'm sending you are an obstinate, stubborn people. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And when, whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are a, for they're a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been amongst them. And you, son of man, don't be afraid of them or their words. Wow. Don't be afraid through their brayers and their thorns are all around you and you live amongst the scorpions. Gee, Lord, you're painting this picture really dark here, Lord. Don't be afraid of what they say or be terrified by them. Though they are a rebellious house, you must speak my words to them, whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are rebellious. Now, I don't know if you got the picture there. They're rebellious. Yeah? In fact, he mentions it three times. You rebellious people. So, son of man, stand to your feet and I'm going to speak. When Elijah bowed down to the ground, that which was prophesying on his way came. Ezekiel was told to stand and listen to what the Lord was, was about to say to him about that particular situation. Church, it's your time to stand to attention. It's your time to come to your feet. So that the troops become willing on the day of battle. We can't keep hearing. We've got to start standing to attention. So, so we can hear what the Lord is saying to prophetically. Because without prophetic insight to what God is doing, all we will ever do is talk about ourselves. Hello? We must see what God is doing beyond us. You can never describe God by what he's doing in your church. Do you know why? You can give a testimony about what God's doing in your church, but God is always doing something beyond you. God isn't only doing in your church. God isn't only doing in your life. God is doing things beyond you. In fact, God's doing far more behind your back than he's doing in front of your face. Thank God for what God's doing inside you. Thank God for what God's doing inside the church. But never try and reduce God to those two levels. God is the God of the nations. First and foremost, God is a God of the nations. He's a God of the house. He's a God of the saints. Amen? 
The saints become a house. The house touches the nation. So they were, they were rebellious, a stubborn people. An obstinate, stubborn, rebellious people. The good news is, that's where we're being sent to. Manchester is full of rebellious, stubborn, obstinate people. I don't even notice. Rebellious, stubborn, and obstinate people. My people want it their way. Have you noticed that? People want things their way. Don't you like things your way? Of course you do. You're learning to become less and less rebellious. You're learning through the power of the Holy Spirit to become less and less stubborn. You're learning more and more to become more like Christ-like. Amen? So if you go to Mark chapter 5, verse 1, we see the kind of nature that is waiting. We've called it the Gadarenes. Or if you go to Mark 5, verse 1, it calls them the Gadarenes. If you go to Mark 8, sorry, Matthew 8, don't go there, it calls them the Gerasenes. So you've got the Gadarenes, the Gerasenes, the same group of, uh, group of people. And Jesus, as we've, we've read it many times, when Jesus got across the lake to the region of the Gadarenes, when he got out the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. When a man comes from the tombs, you know you're in trouble. Yeah? The man lived in the tombs. Whoa, he just didn't come from them, he lived in them. Okay? And no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains. For he had often been chained, hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. That's one strong dude. That is one strong dude. Can you imagine? He broke the chains. What did Christ do? Break the chains. One was stronger than the other. Christ was showing us everything he did. Jesus rose from the tomb. Yeah? He only came from the tomb. Jesus broke the chains of bondage. This guy was still under bondage even though he broke the chains. See the pattern here? It's not coincidental. No one was strong enough to subdue him, you think, until... Night and day among the tombs in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself. So he was a self-harmer with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his feet in front of him. Now that's power. That's power. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me? Jesus, son of the most high God. Love it when someone gives you your title. Hey, can you imagine when a demon comes to you and says, what do you want, oh saint? Of the most high God. Whoa, Holy Ghost. Jesus said, don't get chuffed about that. Just rejoice your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Don't get caught up with demons. Don't get caught up with that. Some of us are going to run a mile when we see a demon. But you know, there's some in here right now. Just need exposing. He shouted at the top of his voice. What do you want with me, Jesus? Son of the most high. Swear, swear to God. I, don't, I can't swear to God. Satan tried to get him to do that. Swear to God that you won't torture me. No, 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 no. We're not played on your terms. If I'm the boss, we don't negotiate. Yeah? But Jesus said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what's your name? Then he says, my name is Legion. He replied, for we are many. My name's Legion. My means in single, individual. But we are many. In other words, behind me, there's a bunch of us. 
Jesus said, it doesn't matter how many is behind you. It doesn't matter how many is behind you. You go in. You go in. And he begged Jesus, see? He's now reduced him to be sent out the area. So back to Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 1, where we read. He said, I'm sending you to the Israelites, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. If you live in this nation and you've come from another nation and you live in this nation, then this is your nation. Hello? This is so important. If you've come from another nation, you must adopt this nation as your own. There's many of your countrymen in this nation. And you must tell them the same thing. Why? Because this is, this is what makes Britain great. We can read, there's enough, we don't have to go to the nations, the nations are in here. Save you a plane trip. Save you a lot of money. But we must go with this message to our own people. Now, if God opens up doors for you to go to other people, praise the Lord. But go to your own people. Reach what is in your grasp. If your circle of people is English, Polish, African, whatever, Chinese, Malaysian, whatever it is, Go to your people and reach them. If you know their ways and you know their language and you know their culture, it already gives you an advantage. But if God doesn't send you to that people and send you to another people, it doesn't matter. Because we'll see in a minute. The people who I'm sending you to are an obstinate, stubborn people. It doesn't matter what nation you come from, you'll find those people there. True? You'll find obstinate, stubborn people in that nation you come from. Because it's a trait of mankind. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And when they listen or fail to listen, for they are a rebellious house. He keeps saying that. They will know that a prophet has been among them. Wouldn't you rather stand in the midst of your countrymen as a prophetic voice? Sometimes we want to stand as a friend. But sometimes you have to stand on the side of the Lord. And you have to use his word, right? Says it. Find the way to say it, but say it. But some of us want value friendship more highly than being a servant. Sometimes what I believe and what God is saying is going to cause separation. It's just the way the cards fall. I don't want it. But that's where it's going to, I've, got, I've made allowances for that. Some relationships will separate. Because not everybody will receive the word of the Lord. Even Christians. Even Christians won't receive it. You are an ambassador. You are an ambassador in whom God is making his appeal known through you. So whatever God, whoever God, whenever God puts people in front of you, you must be his mouthpiece. You must. To sit there and never share, sit there and never respond is wrong. It's not an ambassador. Well, I'm nervous. Hallelujah, aren't we all? I'd rather you be nervous. That gives you a sense of the brevity of what you're going to say. Yeah? Don't be afraid, he says, to Ezekiel through the brares and the thorns that are all around you and you live among scorpions. That's enough to freak you out. 
I don't know if you, if you walk on the marketplace right now and you get your little soapbox. I'm not, suge- I'm not suggesting this is the way we evangelize, by the way. To the market, the ma- market now, um, open shore market, and get your little preaching box out there. You're going to reach every nation. But you, don't be surprised if someone's going to throw some veg at you. True? Those Muslims are going to kick off. Not just the Muslims. Others will kick off. But you're going you're gonna to realize that your message carries resistance. There are scorpions. There are thorns and thistles in our land. Why? Because there are stubborn, rebellious, obstinate people. So why, do you, why are you surprised? He's telling us. There's going to be opposition to this message. Well, I'm not sure if I want to. Well, guess what? There's a church for you. It's called Dead. Seriously. There's a church for you. It's called Dead. I want God's word in me, blessing upon my life, doing what he asked me to do. I know it doesn't always taste sweet. I know it doesn't always smell good. But it's the only way. This is the life I chose. Amen? He said... Ezekiel, you must speak my words to them. Whether they listen or they fail to listen. For they are rebellious. See, we want a result. You know, Noah preached and never got a soul saved. He says to Isaiah, preach, keep preaching. They'll never listen to you. They're hard-hearted. So how long do we need to keep preaching? Until there's a stump that remains in the ground. Gee, Lord, you mean there's going to be no, there's going to be no uh, T-shirt on the back with a tour saying, I raised the dead? He said, no, you're going to preach to a nation that will never receive your word. Well, what's the point of that? They've had a chance. They've had a chance. They'll know there's a prophet been in the land. They might not like the word, but they can't deny it. See, God won't, God's job is to make sure that his church preaches the gospel everywhere. Gives everyone a chance. Whether they choose it or not, it's their free will. But he needs you to step into the arena and tell them. You can't be running back. They don't like me. They didn't like Jesus. They don't listen to me. They didn't listen to Jesus. They throw things at me. They threw things at Jesus. This is Christianity. Do you know I was in the restaurant the other week? And... It must have been the time for prayers. And Paul was sat with me. And, and literally, I, I kid you not, I'm sat here. And there's a table there, that close, the way the restaurant was. A guy gets up, gets his mat. He can see I'm sat there, puts it on the floor, gets down and starts praying. And I'm sat there. And Paul's looking at me and I can see how Paul's freaking out. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I don't care. Let him pray. He's got it. He's got it listening. But if I start praying, fella, you're gone. But I didn't have to cause a scene there. Just let him do it. But the point is, he was bold. He was bold. Wish to God some of us would do something. At least he got his mat out. I wanted to say to him, go on, see if it flies. See if it flies. Go on. Go on. Well, you got no power then, have you? I thought that'll cause some <laughs> that'll cause some problems, won't it? If I say, does it fly? I just kept eating my dinner. 
Why? I'm not freaked by it. We live in a multicultural society. But they're going to freak out when I start praying. Now, our Bible tells us not to pray in public. Go into, into your private room and pray, and your father knows what needs. You don't need to be seen. When you step out of the arena, the Superman outfit better be on. Supernatural's coming out. Yeah? Don't show them religion. Don't show them prayers. They know how to pray. Show them power. Show them Christ. So back to Ezekiel chapter 2. Oh, before you go there, Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Let me read it to you. Save yourself. You go to Ezekiel chapter 2. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, this is Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He didn't say everyone who got told about the Lord. He said everyone who calls upon the Lord. Okay? Which is a promise and encouragement for all those who open the mouths. Yeah? Now comes the common sense challenge. How then can they call upon the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how is asking the question. Can they hear without someone preaching to them? Yeah? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news. Four questions, four hows that need your response. One how is different from the other. As it's difference between the how, one's a solution, three of them are a question. How can they get saved? Well, if you open your mouth and speak, that's how they get saved. If you go to people who are not necessarily the people you would connect with, try start with a fresh group. If you don't like the group you would, try with a fresh group. At least if someone tells you get lost, you don't know them. <laughs> Think about it. How beautiful are the feet. How beautiful are the feet of him, her, them who bring good news. Jesus is, recommend, is commending you. How beautiful are your feet. Why? Because the gospel is carried by your feet. How beautiful are your feet. Wow. How could, they go, how could they get saved unless someone went? How can they go unless someone sent? So there's the key word there. Church needs to send. Someone has to send you. So then says, I looked back to Ezekiel. Then I looked and I saw a hand stretched out to me. It was a scroll which he unveiled, unrolled before me. Ezekiel chapter 2 verse 9. Then I looked and I saw a hand stretched out to me. In it was a scroll, which he unrolled before me. On both sides of it were written words of lament and mourning and woe. And, and he said to me, son of man, eat what is before you. Just like he's asking you now, eat what's before you. Eat this scroll, then go and speak to the house of Israel. So watch, what did he do? So I opened my mouth. And he gave me the scroll to eat. So he empowered me again. As soon as I opened my mouth, he fed me. Yeah? Then he said to me, son of man, eat this scroll I'm giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it as I, and, and, that, and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. He then said to me, son of man, go now to the house of Israel and speak 
these words to them. There is a message that God wants you to send. You need to work out your message. Don't tell them just your experiences only. You must send the message. You're preaching Christ and Christ crucified. You're not preaching your experiences. Your experiences add a little bit of spice. But you're offering them a person, not your experience. And so much of Christianity is offering people an experience, not the Christ. Now listen, it's very key. What you say to people is what they will then build with. If you promise them a rose garden, guess what? When the rose garden doesn't come up, they're off. You're promising a person, only Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life. Only Jesus Christ can forgive you. Only Jesus Christ can give you a relationship. It's Christ and him crucified only. Not your experiences. Well, I went to church and this happened. Don't want to know about it. Because not every church has that experience. You're not giving them an experience. You're giving them an encounter. You're saved. Whoopee. Does that mean the rest of the world now goes to hell? Hello? Now we're saved. Does that mean it's it? We're in now. It doesn't matter. Blow the rest of them. That's not fair. That's not fair. You didn't get in like that. Neither, neither, neither should we leave it to other people. You are God's mouthpiece. Dream Center, you are God's mouthpiece. So it's great that you come to church. It's great that you open your mouth. It's great that we can put a nice, sweet scroll in your mouth. But there comes a point when you've now got to go to the house of Israel and tell them. But all the church wants to eat the nice, sweet scroll. She wants to feel sweet and honey. Oh, it was so nice in church today. Wasn't the, wasn't the wonderful blessing of God upon our lives today? Didn't the food taste sweet? It'll taste sour if you don't use it. It'll go sour. It's so important. We're coming to close. Last scripture promise. Then we're finished. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 12. I'm finishing this. I heard a grumbling of the Israelites. That's not unusual, is it? Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you'll be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was, light, there was a layer of dew around the camp. Holy Ghost. When the dew was gone, the flakes came like earth, then thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is this? For they did not know that it was Moses that said to him, it is the bread of the Lord he has given you to eat. This is what the Lord commanded each one of them. Listen, this is what the Lord commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Really? Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. You think, oh, that sounds good. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until the morning. However, however, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until the morning, but it was full of maggots and it began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. No, I'm not angry. I'm not Moses. 
But the issue is this. Why did some of them try to keep it for the next day? Do you know why? Easy. They were lazy. Lazy. They thought, why go out tomorrow if we can get it all today? No effort. No striving. They just thought that they could just get it on a Sunday. Don't have to go and get it on Monday. But get it all on a Sunday. You know, when you do your shopping, in the old days, we used to shop every day. That way you got it fresh. Some people still buy certain things fresh. Some people still like fresh milk. A lot of us switched over to long life. Buy it, keep it in the fridge for weeks. Right? But the Puritans like plain milk. In our house, it used to be sterile. We couldn't afford plain. We're a poor family. Sterile tasted sweet. Plain didn't. But plain's a far better drink. Long life's minging. But it's good for a cup of tea. Hey? Stop buying it, Phil says. The issue is, are you going to feed on a Sunday? Or are you going to get up and go for it Monday? Are you going to go out and get it Tuesday? Are you going to pay attention? Or are you not going to pay attention and just go for Sunday's manner? Because there'll be manner here on Sunday. There's no problem. Manner will be here on Sunday. Heaven will be open. Food will be on the table. Bread will be good. It'll fill your, boot, fill your boots with it. But guess what? It doesn't last through the week. You can't live on what's just coming here. You have to find your word. Amen? Let's stand to our feet, if we will, please. You can't keep living on what's delivered on a Sunday. See, when we break bread on a Sunday morning, it's not long before that bread goes stale. True? It's not long. But only, in, it only does the Christian think that if he don't need, to get, don't need to get word from the Lord this week, don't need to read my Bible, don't need to pray, don't need to seek God. Right? I did it on Sunday. You're stale. You're dry. You've got nothing to say. You'll never go. God can't use you. You're not a Christian. You're a man who gave, you're a man who repented and felt sincere at the time. But your sincerity has not been moved into action. Hello? So church, we need to hear what God is saying to us. And we must each go to the Father this week and say, Lord, send me to a people. Start with the people that you work with. Start with the family you're involved with. Start with the neighbors that you don't like. Because we've all got neighbors we don't like. And if you haven't got any neighbors, get some. Seriously. Go and find a group of people that you can share. Pray for opportunities. Don't just go in there and say, I've got something to say to you lot today. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when the opportunity comes, be ready. Be ready. And you'd be surprised when you're ready. God will bring people and conversations will open up. But you didn't even have to ask. All you have to do is respond. It happens all the time to me. It's amazing. I'm not, I hate cold selling. But it's great when somebody asks you a question. It's great when somebody asks you a question. I've noticed a difference. What's different about you? Well, every time that engineer comes to me, our heating engineer, he never, ever gets out without me giving it him. And he sits there and he smiles and he loves it. I never have to open the gospel to him. He asks me questions. 
I'm just being natural. It's great. It's wonderful. No, if I had to sit down and think of a way, how do I get him? How do I get to the gospel? Sometimes you can't speak to people. Just wait your opportunity. It'll come. You know, I'm not asking you to walk around with a plaque on your back. The end of the world is here. Sandwiches on this side. Or you could say the scroll list, the sweet honey scrolls this side, hell that side. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not asking you to look an idiot. I'm asking you to be a witness. Go to a stubborn, rebellious, obstinate people. That's who's out there. You were one of them. Until God shed, shed his light upon you and I. Church, this heaven's dew is not for us. Hello? It's not just for us. It's to be shared. You watch this church grow like crazy when you start doing this. But if all we can, all we got to do is keep preaching to the same crowd, we've got to close down. Something's got to change. Can't keep feeding the same crowd of people and doing nothing with it. That's called self-indulgence. This is not the kingdom. The kingdom is advancing. Amen? Let's just raise your hands if you will. Some of you will go to the cafe in a minute and you'll buy someone a drink. Some of you will go and buy, buy, buy a sandwich and, and share it with somebody. That's the gospel. The other week, a lad sat outside church straight after. The thing what saddened my heart was this, church. Just listen to me for a second. A man was sat outside, needed a sandwich. And people came to me and said, there's a man sat outside. They shouldn't have to come to me. Just go and get him a sandwich next door. Well, I might have to pay for it. Flipping neck. You may not have to. The point is, I went and just got a sandwich. I got him two sandwiches, a packet of crisps and a cup of tea. I didn't even get the chance to preach the gospel to him. How do I know? I could have been an angel. My job was to give him something. Simple. I didn't even get a chance to share the love of God with him. But it can't always be my job. It can't be my job, church. We should have all been on there. Oh, a strange man at the door. Strange, that's what we want, strange. Strange is good. Peculiar. Well, he smells good. Smell is good. It shows we're touching something. Oh, he don't park his car. That's good, it's okay. Well, they're the kind of people that God's going to send. But when they come, you better make room for them. Come on, church. We've got, we've got to take it serious. We're going to a proud, stubborn, obstinate people. This message, if it's good enough for you, it's good enough for them. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, oh, God, you've got to do something in our hearts. Only you can do it. Father, I, pro I proclaim your word this morning. I fed you've given me. I've fed, I've done something with what you've given me to do. I've fed people from your hand. I've fed them, oh, God. Lord, I commend them to you. Lord, to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I commend them to the grace that so powerfully works in every one of us. Father, let your grace do its work in every saint, in every heart, in every, to all those who are stubborn here this morning, oh God, to the resistor. Father, I pray your grace be upon them. Show your grace and mercy to us this week, oh God. Cause this word to burn in us. Don't let it go, Holy Ghost. Visit us in our dreams. Speak to us about where we can share this word. Give us a hunger for people, oh God. Give us compassion for the lost. Give us a nation, oh God. Oh God, 
Give us a nation in our heart. Put things in our heart, oh God, that only can be given by the Holy Spirit. Let us not become a people who just become self-serving, self-seeking. But, oh God, let us become a people who do something with your word. Oh, Father, though there are scorpions in our land, though there are brazier in our land, our God is strong in us. Judah will go first. Our first company of people will go first. Give us opportunities, oh God. Swing wide the gates. Let the, let, the, let the heaven's dew fall upon this land of ours. Father, make our footsteps sweet. Blessed are those who, bring, who carry the, the, the gospel. The feet of him who brings good news. Beautiful are his feet. Lord, make the feet of this church beautiful. Look down at your feet right now. God is about to make your feet beautiful. It's not your shoes that make you look beautiful. It's your feet. Father, right now, anoint our feet. Quicken our feet. Put the heavens dew upon our feet. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name. Come on, church, just ask him. Ask him. Give you opportunities. Lord, make me willing. Lord, you know I'm nervous. Lord, you know I'm scared. Lord, you know I'm not bold. Good. At least start there. At least acknowledge what you don't have. And ask him to give you what you don't have. Come on, church. We're not going until we... You just close this off. This is the part of ministry. This is ministry right here. Bring the saints to a point of action. Not just information. Bring them to a point of action. All that I spoke this morning is to bring us to this place. Judah will go first. If Simeon doesn't come with me, I'm still going. That was your vow you made. Oh, mighty God. Father, open up. Open up opportunities. Give me the hearts of a people. Let me become a voice to a people. Whether it's to my own countrymen or to other countrymen who are in my reach. Lord, give me a people. Give me a people, oh God. Give the dream center a voice. Give it a, give it a people, oh God. Give us people, oh God, who will hear this message. Oh, Father. We don't want to become a company of people who sit. There's not too many amens, church. We don't want to become a church that sits. That's the trouble. We've done it for too long. God is saying, stand up. Stand up to your feet. Pay attention. The time for sitting is no longer. Come to attention. Like an army would come to attention. Stand to attention, church. Hear what the Lord is saying to us today and take personal, individual, corporate responsibility. Father, we will go. We will go, Lord, to who you send us to, to what's available right now to my family, to my work colleagues, to my business colleagues, to my neighbors, to my friends. Oh, God, let me become a voice, a voice in the wilderness. Oh, Father, mighty God, mighty God. Oh, heaven and earth today is witnessing. Mighty God. Oh, Father, forgive us for sitting. Forgive us for gathering. Forgive us, oh God, for being lazy. Forgive us for, forgive us for being self-indulgent. Forgive us, oh God, forgive us. Mighty God, forgive us. We've done nothing or very little with what we've learned. But, oh God, as we saw Ezekiel, as he stood up, you empowered him. 
The Spirit of God came into him and brought him to his feet. Oh, church, stand up. Stand up. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Stand to your feet and let the Spirit of God come in you. Let him come bring you to your feet. Let him focus you. Let him focus you on, on a people that he wants you to reach. Take his heart tonight. Start praying those things that are on his heart. Start praying into it and then God will release you into that area. Let God do something in your life. You're saved, thank God, but you've not been used by the power of God yet. Our greatest days are still ahead. Oh, mighty God. Forgive us, Holy Ghost. Forgive us. Do something sovereign in this, in this house tonight, today, oh God. Today, oh God, do something sovereign. Change us, change us, oh God. Do something that's never been done before. Oh God, put a spirit upon this house, Lord, such as we've never seen before. Oh Father, put a passion in us, a compassion in us for the lost, for the sick, for the dying, for the needy. Oh God, put a passion in us. Your compassion. Come on church, ask him. Do it to us, oh God. I can't go to these people, oh God, unless you work on my heart. It's not in me, oh God. I acknowledge that. I, rec- I recognize it's not in me to do these things. I need you, oh God, to do it in me. Do a work inside me. Spirit of the Sovereign Lord. Hayab needs my words. Hayab needs to hear my words. Hayab needs to, to hear the word of the Lord. Hook up your chariot. Something's coming. We know, oh God, judgment is coming. We know, oh God, judgment is coming. And our words is the difference between someone dying and someone living. Oh, mighty God. Mighty God. Let the Jew of salvation. Come on, call down the Jew of salvation. Let salvation fall upon this house, upon your people, oh God. Let the desire for the lost come upon us. It's not there, Lord. We acknowledge it. We acknowledge it, oh God. It's not in not in us. Lord, we're asking you to give it us. Oh, mighty God. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Put a boldness upon your people. Put courage in your people. Put boldness and courage upon your people. Come on, lift your hands up. You need boldness and courage to open your mouth. We all need boldness and courage. Get get that message clear inside you. Oh, Father, right now I release... Boldness and courage. Boldness and courage to fall. Let the Jew of heaven fall upon your church. Boldness and courage. Oh, mighty God. Oh, mighty God. Mighty God. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Put it on us. Put it on us, oh God. Put it on us. Put it on us. We cry out to the living God for something we don't have. We don't have it, oh God. Put it in us. Give it to us this day. Give unto us this day, oh God. You've given us bread, oh God, but give us what we, we don't have, oh God. We don't have that heart for the lost. Oh, mighty God, give it us. Let everyone in this room be filled with the fire of God to go and reach the lost. Oh, mighty God, make us feel uncomfortable sitting down. Make, these, make us feel uncomfortable, oh God. Give us a, a, a holy dissatisfaction. Put a dissatisfaction in us, oh God. Oh, stir it up, oh God. Stir the fire within us. Oh, mighty God.
Mighty God. Mighty God. Oh, mighty God. Judah must go first. Judah must go first. Well, church, we've heard the word of the Lord today. We cannot deny we have not heard the word of the Lord to us today. Heaven has spoken in our midst. He spoke to us in the worship. He spoke to us through the word. Now each man should go home to his own house and seriously consider what he's been taught today. Seriously consider what has been imparted today. Don't rest until you've concluded what needs to be done with this message. It's on the podcast this week. Listen to it again. Let God come upon your life in such a way that he radically transforms you. Seriously. I really feel that God is bringing us to an end of ourselves. We're no longer going to be a sitting church. We're going to be a church that stands to our feet. God is about to put the breath of the Almighty within you. I said God is about to do this. The breath of the Sovereign Lord is about to enter you. Oh, I tell you, something powerful is coming upon us. The breath of the Almighty, such as we've never experienced before. Oh, mighty God, in Jesus' name. I feel the intensity of the Spirit this morning, I really do. I've not felt it for a long time like this, but as I'm speaking, I really feel the weight of God is on us. The expectation of God is on us. He's saying, don't miss it, church. This is my purpose for you, the Dream Center. This is what I've always desired for you. You're the people. You're the company of people. You're the first fruit company. Don't look for another. Don't look to someone else. Look to you. Lift your eyes to heaven. That is freedom. Oh, Father. We started by singing, our God is strong in us. That's how we finish. Our God is strong in us. The same power that raised him from the grave is living in me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a standing ovation. Oh, God. Oh, God. Almighty God.